0: The first reading is from Psalms 118. Give thanks to the Lord for the Lord is good. God's mercy endures forever. Let Israel now declare God's mercy endures forever. The Lord is my strength and my song and has become my salvation. Shouts of rejoicing and salvation Echo in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord acts valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord acts valiantly. I shall not die, but live, and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord indeed punished me sorely, but did not hand me over to death. Open for me the gates of righteousness. I will enter them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. Here the righteous may enter. I give thanks to you for you have answered me and you have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. By the Lord has this been done. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. The word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God.
0: The second reading is from the 10th chapter of Acts. Peter began to speak to the people. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. That message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John announced. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. How how he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear, not to all the people, but to us who were chosen by God as witnesses, and who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin through his name. The word of the Lord
1: thanks be to God and we... The Holy Gospel is from John, the 20th chapter. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been rolled away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They've taken away the Lord, and I don't know where they've laid him. Then Peter, the other disciple, sent out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there, and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place all by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet, though, they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary, she stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They've taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they've laid him. When she said this, she turned around and saw Jesus lying there. But she didn't know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Who are you looking for? supposing him to be the gardener. She said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And then Jesus said to her, Mary. And then Mary turned to Jesus and said in Hebrew, Rabboni? Which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, Don't hold on to me because I have not ascended to my Father, but go to my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my God and to your God, to our Father and your Father. And Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I've seen the Lord. And she told them that Jesus had said all of these things to her. The gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. Christ is risen. Oh, to hear you proclaim that good news. This week, I engaged a lot of people with that question I talked to the kids about. Mary says at the end of the story, I've seen the Lord. Wouldn't it be amazing if you could go forth from this Easter today and be able to say with Mary, I've seen the Lord? And so I talked and engaged with many people about what helps you see Christ? What helps you see the risen Christ? Where do you see the risen Christ? I was giving communion to Randy and Karen Fossum this week. For those of you who don't know, Randy and Karen are longtime members of the church. Randy, because of a brain tumor now, after being a professional gol- golfer and headed to great things, Ended up in a wheelchair and now even needs a Hoyer lift to get in and out of that wheelchair and in and out of bed. And so I gave them communion this week and I asked them that question. But Karen said something, his wife said something really that struck me. She said as she listened to the story, you know what, it seems like Jesus wants to be seen. He wants to be recognized. And oh man, that just sunk into my heart. Because I do believe with all my heart that Jesus wants us, wants the whole world to recognize him. To see that he's not in the tomb, but he has been raised. So, let's go with Mary and Peter and the other disciple to the tomb. Mary sees the empty tomb. She runs back, gets Peter and the other disciple, who's much faster. I'm sure I'd have been with Peter lagging along. And they see some evidence. They see grave clothes sat by the side, and they see the empty tomb. And it occurs to me that we're kind of in their same situation. We've come here this morning. We don't see Jesus physically like the disciples and Mary saw Jesus as they followed him all around Galilee and then to Jerusalem. We don't see him that way. We see evidence of his presence. We see evidence of something, though, don't we? Look at you. You're gathered. We've got beautiful music. The, the choir is singing. We've got the beautiful flowers. Something has happened, hasn't it? That's why we're here. And then you could think of and look at the church in general, and it's kind of like going to that empty tomb. You know, you don't exactly see Jesus, but you see all kind of evidence for him. My goodness, you see people coming every Sunday to worship. You see people gathering together to support each other. You see people giving of their first fruits to support the ministry and build up the ministry of the church. You see people giving their hard and precious, important time to build up the congregations. You see people serving at hearty meals, and you see love in action. You see the church doing all kinds of just striking things that make you go, why would these people do all of this? if there wasn't something, some reality behind it. So you kind of see the empty tomb. And then you see people of this congregation and thousands and thousands of more going out into the world and doing their occupations as best they can, knowing that they're really not doing it just for a paycheck, but they're doing it as a part of the way they glorify God and serve God. Whether they're a teacher or a janitor or an administrator or a doctor or a pastor or a salesperson or an engineer or a sailor, whatever it is, they're out there doing their work um, because that's what God's people do. Or we could go on and look, and you could look at the wider church and the millions and millions and millions of dollars that not only are national church, the ELCA or the other Lutheran expressions or Catholic expressions or non-denominational expressions, all the things that they're doing to engage the injustices of our world to bring hung, food to hungry children. You think about the millions, probably billions of dollars that go forth from people, from the church. And you, go, you look at that and you go, wow kind of like coming to the empty tomb. There mu- Something must have happened. And it's interesting. When Peter and the beloved disciple look into the empty tomb and Mary too, only one of them believe. The beloved disciple, maybe John the writer of the Gospel of John, maybe you know, he, he loves Jesus so much, he looks in and believes, but Peter and Mary don't believe. It's true. Don't we come together and we see sometimes we're people of faith, and sometimes we're people of little faith, and sometimes we're, not pe- we're people of, I just can't believe it today. And then there are many people who look at the church and they go, oh, it's a nice organization, it does good things, but there really isn't any real reality underneath it, no truth behind it. Not everybody believes when they look at the empty tomb. Do you? Well, John, the writer of the gospel, tells us, though, that something else was needed at this point. Some believe, some don't. But John tells us very specifically that they did not get or understand the scripture that Jesus must rise from the dead. You see, for us to believe, we need more than the empty tomb. We need more than just the church gathered and see all the amazing things that the church does. Um, we need a word. We need the scripture. Maybe we need Psalm 1610 that says, For you do not give me up to Sheol, nor let the fa- your faithful one see the pit. Or Hosea 6 2. After two days he will revive us. On the third day he will raise us up and we will live before him. Or Jonah. But the Lord provided a large fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Or Psalm 118 that you heard today, the, the stone that the builders rejected, God has made the chief cornerstone. Or maybe it's the whole scripture, the whole story of Israel that kept going into unfaithfulness and death, and God kept raising her up out of slavery, out of exile, out of their disobedience, and that God was continually making new. Or maybe Jesus' own scripture, his own word, where he says, I'm going to go and die, and I'm going to be raised. I'm going to be lifted up. I'm going to be glorified. I don't know what it exactly was, but I do know that for us to believe that Jesus is truly risen from the dead, we need a word to come in from the outside to encounter us. We need long-term biblical therapy. If we're going to be people of faith, if we're going to look into the tomb and not think that it's just some accident or his body was stolen somehow and this was a big hoax, We need the word to come and give us faith. That's why we need worship. That's why we need singing and music and celebrating. Jesus gave us a meal too where he put his word with the bread and wine again to help us believe. But Mary's still standing by the tomb, weeping. She looks in. She sees two angels in the tomb, one at the head, one at the feet. Why, one at the, why two angels at the head and, and one at the feet? Do you remember the Ark of the Covenant? What was on the Ark of the Covenant? There was an angel at the head and at the foot. Maybe... Maybe what's happening is that now the place where God and humanity come together is in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Maybe that's what's being said. I don't know. Mary looks in and she sees that. And they want to know, why is she weeping? Why? Why are you weeping? And she still doesn't recognize Jesus. She still doesn't click. Until what? Mary. He says her name. What do we need to believe? What do we need to, to see and recognize Jesus? We need him to call our name. He did call our name when we were put into the waters of baptism. He calls our name each and every day. He calls our name in this worship service. When we say Christ is risen. Hallelujah. He we, we he's calling our name. He's calling us. To himself, he, he drew us all to himself in the cross. And he draws us all to himself in the resurrection. And it's interesting at that point, Mary wants to hold on to Jesus. And Jesus says these weird words about him being ascended, um, ascending and don't hold on to me. Jesus isn't saying don't touch me. He's going to have Thomas in just another chapter, to, you know, put his hands in his side and, his, um, you know, and touch Jesus. He's saying, no, I've got work to do yet. And he talks about ascending to the Father. That's code language in the Gospel of John for the coming of the Spirit. Jesus said very clearly, I have to go away. So what? The Counselor can come. I mean, Jesus, Mary would like Jesus to stick around, right, with him and be, fiz- you know, real, just like you and I. I can see you right now. She, um, she would like him just to stay, just to go back to the way it was. And Jesus says, No, I've got to go away so that not only can I come to you, Mary, I can come to the whole world. And so what Jesus is saying is, I'm good. What we need to believe is, we need the Holy Spirit to come and give us faith because we cannot believe without the gift of the spirit coming to us in word and sacrament. So now, now, now that we've received the spirit, now that we've heard him call our name, now that we've heard the word and celebrated and sung the word, I can look at you right now. I just want to get my phone out and take a picture. Because you know what? As I look out at you, I see Jesus. I see that he's risen. I mean, I look out at you, and I see with all the brokenness and all the frailties, your belief and your faith, and I look out at you, and it helps. Wow, he is risen. Look at these people. Now, I um, start to see Jesus in all kinds of other people. Universally, when I asked this question this week to people, they, they said, where do they see Jesus? They said, in other people. When I talked to Randy and Karen, Randy said, I see Jesus in my caregivers. And then he reached over and he grabbed Karen's hand. That's where I see Jesus. And then Karen looked at me and said, you know where I see Jesus? I see Jesus in Randy, who keeps believing despite all of the hardships, keeps an amazing attitude. Now, with all the gifts God given us, we can start to see Jesus everywhere. And this is biblical. Wherever two or more gathered, I will be there, Jesus said. I will be with you to the ends of the age, Jesus said. Now, we can look around today with the egg hunt and the beautiful dresses and the beautiful clothes and the beautiful flowers, and we can see Jesus. May God give us eyes of faith. And one place where you really see Jesus risen is when you tell the good news. I got to tell Randy. Because Randy said to me, the only problem, Pastor Bill, is every day for me is like Groundhog Day. You know, it's the same. It's the same. And I got to tell him, you know what, Randy, because of Easter... One day it won't be Groundhog Day anymore. You won't need this wheelchair. You won't need a Hoyer lift. You're going to be dancing and celebrating before your Lord because of this day right now, because Jesus is not in that tomb. Christ is risen. risen Uh, Tell the good news and see our Lord. Amen.